0: welcome everyone to the new year. This is episode seven. New Year's resolutions are still in a lot of people's minds and our New Year's resolution at the GLC continue focusing on being servant leaders. And last year before everyone went home we had three students myself included working on a servant leadership project. Um, One of those is our special guest today. Uh, And so today we're going to be talking about servant leadership. Um, You know first of all what it is uh, and actually something we created last year. Um, uh, almost like a diagram of how to go about doing it. And of course, we'll end with our signature um, suggestions and theory piece um, for how to actually do servant leadership as a student leader on campus or in your general life. Um, so with that, Andy, I'll bring you in and just a brief introduction to the topic we're going to be going over today and our special guest.
1: Absolutely. Thanks, Garrett. And hi, listeners. It's happy new year to you all. It's wonderful to be on the pod again and to have Emily here as our our great thought leader in servant leadership. But yeah, so this is a a theory, Garrett, that's been around for a long time. You know, it's um, it's really came into popularity around the late 1970s and was coined by a a business executive, actually, from AT&T named Robert Greenleaf. What was interesting about this story is, you know, someone from business who around that time You know, sort of at the height of globalization coming out into society, where you know people looked at business leaders and didn't necessarily think of them as ethical or necessarily as servants. You know, it was mostly around the bottom line. And uh, here you have this uh, AT and T executive who talks about leadership in the way that relates to service. I think was somewhat of a novel idea. It might seem sort of normal for us today, but he was. He sort of coined this idea of servant leader and that the idea is that you are a servant first and only through service do you gain the respect and the power from others who end up naming you the leader, right? So a leader is not something you claim as the individual or as the, the person doing the work, but it is, is given to you uh, by those that you are working with. You know, I think there's very much a, an exchange uh, between the leader and the follower, in that regard, and there's sort of a couple components that relate to this idea. Um, of course, servant leadership is very other-oriented, right? So it's it's really about the those that you are in service with. So not necessarily about the leader. Also, it is something that the leader prioritizes the needs of the follower. So it's about trying to identify who who are the people you're serving and. What are, their, what are their core needs? And then, um, you know, I think it's, it's about this sort of outward reorienting of concern for self for others in the organization as well. So I think those three components are, are useful in understanding this, this term uh, servant leadership.
0: A servant leadership, as I mentioned, was a huge topic that we focused on in the GLC last year. It was the subject of our re-entry uh, orientation for the, for the spring semester, and we spent a lot of time on it in our winter retreat, and it's been a real focal point of our organization ever since. And it's even led us, as I mentioned, to create a sort of sub-team and the GLC. Um, a couple of interested students, um, namely Emily Wilk, who's here with us today, and also Allie Nettles, who'll be joining us, I'm sure, on another podcast. Uh, and myself, we, we sort of came together interested in this idea for a broader project, and we met weekly, and we actually ended up putting our, our artistic skills and our theoretical skills to work. And we, uh, we actually made a, a pretty formal diagram that sort of maps out The servant leadership process. Before we get to that, Andy, if you wouldn't mind introducing our special guest and all the the great that she has done at Gettysburg and since graduating. It
1: will be my honor and my privilege, Garrett. Yes. So today we have with us Emily Welk, class of 2020, uh, which will end up being an infamous class uh, from Gettysburg College. Some great folks who graduated during the height of the pandemic. Um, But Emily has wasted no time in her Scholarly pursuits because she's gone straight back to school, and I'll I'll let you talk a little bit about what you're doing at George Washington. But em- Emily has uh, been certainly a phenomenal leader at Gettysburg College, both certainly at the GLC, but also in residential life, serving multiple roles, groups, I think, and then also in athletics, um, but also in and outside the classroom. I mean, being uh, what doing a lot of research. Um, and also doing some publications in sociology, I believe, right, Emily. So yes, if if it exists at Gettysburg, Emily's probably done it. Uh, but now she's off to uh, greater things in our, uh, well, technically not in our nation's capital, but certainly virtually. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, welcome, Emily. It's great to have you on the on the call. Do you want to share a little bit about what you're what you're up to now?
2: Yeah. Hi, Andy. Hi, Garrett. Um, so. Yeah, uh, obviously, since graduating, it's been uh, a little bit more of a challenge than I expected, kind of getting into the groove of working and or grad school, given that we're still in a pandemic. Um, Graduating in a pandemic was definitely uh, an unexpected experience, but I think it gave me the opportunity to reflect uh, and decide that I wanted to go back to grad school right away. So I decided to go to George Washington University for a master's in public policy and women, gender and sexuality studies. Given my background in sociology and public policy at Gettysburg, I kind of wanted to continue that into my master's studies. And it's been a great program so far. We're really doing the work virtually as best as we can, really trying to keep... um, our thoughts about how to kind of better the world, especially given the, the political climate we're in right now and kind of the tensions, how to ensure that we're we're meeting the needs of those um, those who need it most, and kind of servant leadership, uh, while not like a formal theory we study in my program, is definitely underlying a lot of the work that the students in the program with me are doing, and has also kind of guided me in some of the extracurriculars that I've taken on at GW. Um, Last semester, I was a teaching assistant in the Human Services and Social Justice program, which is uh, part of the sociology department, where I worked with Professor Emily Morrison in her Fact Field Fiction class, and as part of the class, we Continued a project that she had been doing for about a year at that point where we interview uh, leaders in the national service movement to kind of see how they were catalysts for change in their own field and kind of brought these programs from the ground up. So leaders of AmeriCorps, um, City Year, all across the board, national, um, some at more of the local levels where they're kind of working in the community college field. So a broad range. We've gotten about 40 interviews at this point. We're going to get about 26 more this semester. And we're actually doing it through her ethical leadership class this semester, which is really is going to have a a focus on servant leadership. So I'm kind of happy to be talking about it today and kind of continuing the conversation that uh, Garrett, Allie, and I started last semester, as well as kind of, you know, helping it orient my work with Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, working in her district district office, kind of doing casework for constituents and really helping them, especially during the pandemic. We've seen cases skyrocket um, from past years. So it's definitely been something that's at the forefront of my mind, kind of, grounding me in all the work that I do.
0: Like Amy said, you're not going to find a Gettysburg grad with as much accomplishment as Emily. So very blessed to have her today with us. As I mentioned before, we have this diagram, but before we get there, I think it'd be really beneficial for our listeners to just hear how and why you got interested in this servant leadership topic. Uh, We mentioned that it was sort of the main topic of our organization last spring, but for you personally, what has been your interaction with it? What drew you to it? And why do you still really enjoy talking about it?
2: So I think what really drew me to this topic of servant leadership was attending the winter retreat last year for the GLC and kind of the way in which we discuss servant leadership as being a focal point of our organization and kind of a framework of leading within higher education as student leaders on campus. It got me thinking about a lot of the other roles that Andy mentioned, um, particularly my role in residence life and kind of trying to figure out how as an RA or um, as a, or not a residence coordinator last year, how we can use these the same framework to kind of better our... RA kind of like experience. So, how do we use this to kind of bring this to our residents? How do we better serve them and their needs? Specifically, I worked with first-year students. So, how are we orienting their college experience to be one that they're going to enjoy and want to stay on campus? How are we getting them involved? Are we being a resource, a mentor? But really, what kind of helped me come to this project actually when I kind of came to Andy and said, I think this would be a really great workshop to bring to other groups on campus is with the House Leader Program, because they have such a specific and unique role on campus that's similar to an RA in which they're they're in charge of the houses, they're overseeing other students, but they're really trying to build this community around a topic or an experience or an identity that they're then bringing to the larger campus community. So they're really trying to be those catalysts for change kind of within their small communities and the the campus community, but it's also a large burden for one student sometimes to take on to be in charge of kind of organizing these whole things and kind of being so other oriented when they're also, you know, a student themselves first and kind of have to meet their own needs. So I think um, the one topic from the retreat that really got me thinking about how we can bring this to the campus community is that sacrifice renewal cycle. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit later, but this kind of idea of like, while you're, you're always orienting yourself towards this idea of service, you also need to take time and kind of recharge yourself to be able to better continue that service.
0: Yeah, and I think now without further ado is a great time to go towards that image. There are certain iterations that happen on the first cycle. And then upon the second time, you know, new things come to light. So it's not just the same thing over and over again, new things come up, new, new problems need to be addressed as you can't go about it the same way every time. So Emily, at the top of our circle, we have this, we basically four main points. And the first one is identifying potential environments. Talk to us a little bit about that and and walk us through the other three, uh, three points.
2: Yeah, so I think even before I kind of dive into this identifying potential environments piece, I think the key the key to our cycle is that there's these four major steps that we've mapped out and then some some intermediate steps as Garrett kind of alluded to that depending on what iteration of the cycle you're in kind of depends on which which parts of the cycle you're going to follow. So this identifying potential environments is really kind of the first step to your your servant leadership because you kind of have to identify the group, the organization the cause, the idea that you're going to serve. How, in which ways are you going to observe and you to serve? And you're gonna examine those possibilities. So for us at the GLC last year, we really took that time at the winter retreat to kind of identify those potential environments. How were we going to best serve the campus community? What communities were we going to serve? Um, and also kind of really Examining what communities aren't we serving? Who are we missing? Who who do we think we can serve that we haven't? Um, and I think like that's where I kind of kept this going outside of the GLC, kind of thinking about residents' life. Like how can we how can we serve them through this type of workshop? How can we serve uh, an organization like Student Senate? There's so many possibilities on campus, and I think we do a great job of getting to the first year students, but sometimes. We, we do also need to take the time ourselves to re-examine. And I think re-examining it, or examining your possibilities and identifying the, the path you want to take is kind of that first step to orient how you're going to serve. The next step within that, and this is kind of, you know, depending on if you're in the first iteration or the second, you're going to critically reflect on your kind of your own positionality within that service, how the realities of your own capabilities are going to impact your ability to serve. So this is where you say, okay, I've identified this population. So for us last year, it was, we're going to For me specifically, I was the project lead of the leadership certificate, so we identified our potential environments and kind of narrowed it down to first-year and sophomore students to kind of better orient the service and kind of tailor the program towards a more specific population on campus, but also recognizing our own limits as an organization to be able to serve a larger population within this one program. Um, And I think we reflected on that a lot over the two years kind of prior to my taking uh, the project lead role, but also kind of reflecting on how can we better offer the program um, within our own capabilities. And I think we were definitely challenged um, at the end of the spring semester when the pandemic hit and we just were like, how do we take this completely on-ground program and turn it into a virtual program? Especially considering there was only like one session left and everyone's life had just been disrupted in completely unforeseen ways. Um, And I think again, that critical reflection came in going into this semester where they're like, okay, so what are we gonna do now that we're completely virtual? And we're reorienting ourselves to how how can we do this in the best way possible to meet the needs of those we're serving. Every time we're doing this type of critical reflection and kind of trying to become more self-aware, we're always trying to, again, get back to that reorienting to the other that Andy mentioned earlier. And kind of in this reorientation towards the other, we wanna recognize where our service is needed. So we don't wanna just come into an organization, come into a space, even if we're going towards a cause or idea, we don't wanna come in assuming we know exactly what needs to be fixed, right? We want to make this a reciprocal process. We want to be helping and serving the other in a way that they wanna be served. So yes, we've identified that we want to provide our service to this group, but we want them to help us dictate how that service is needed. And I think this is such a key part to it because if we're just going into an environment and assuming that they need to completely overhaul their systems, they're going to react negatively and there's going to be a, um, a break in the trust that's kind of needed for servant leadership to be successful. There needs to be a trusting relationship where both parties kind of know that we're working towards a common goal and not kind of like thrusting your own ideals onto this other group. And then kind of this fourth step is where now you've you've identified that group, you've done the reflection, you've identified the needs that that group actually needs, not what you think they need. How are you going to put it into action? This is where you're actually going to put your service work into action and help them get from point A to point B that you've identified in those earlier steps. The how, um, kind of based on the why's that you had already identified. So this might be, you know developing that workshop that's really going to help the students grow um, in their leadership potential or developing the workshop that's really going to help people understand why self-care is such a necessary part of their life that it's really going to help them just expand their possibilities to like exist in whatever roles they already have depending on how you've already oriented your service work is going to dictate the actions you're going to take and then this is kind of where the cycle continues to reiterate itself and kind of changes a little bit. So once you've done the action, it's kind of time to go back and reflect again, right? You have to return to that why constantly to make sure that you're still working within the framework that you would kind of agreed upon with those you're serving. Because this is such an other oriented theoretical framework, you have to make sure you're always returning to the other kind of to the why you started to make sure you're continuously meeting those goals.
0: So Emily, after we finish this first cycle and as you were talking about it, it does seem like a lot, but really, this is a step-by-step process that needs constant reevaluation, um, and it, it is a sort of natural flow, right? You find yourself transitioning from one to the other pretty easily, right? Once, once you've done that third point, once you recognize recognized where the service is needed, it's pretty intuitive and, and pretty self-explanatory to actually do that action and to see it see it all the way through. So once you do it, once you you know re- reorient yourself, we have this uh, in silver ink. If people are looking at the image. It's called sacrifice renewal. and this is a this is a point that we talked about a lot uh, in the winter re- at the winter retreat and we kept coming back to uh, during the semester as well. And so Emily, uh, this being such a big part of certain leadership, tell us a little bit about it and how it factors in.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So this sacrifice renewal cycle that I mentioned earlier in the podcast is really that self-care component that um, I've come back to a couple times. And I think this is so important because as an other oriented kind of, action, you're, you're really giving a lot of yourself and it sometimes can feel like you don't have the time to kind of recollect your own thoughts, recollect your own being, and just kind of like re-energize those energy levels that you had to continue to give and give. If we don't take that time to really take those steps back in time for ourselves, we're really just, our tank's going to hit empty really fast and we're just not going to be able to give at the level that we want. And it's going to feel, it's going to hurt potentially those organizations. If you can't recognize and have that self-awareness that you need to take the time for yourself, but it's also just going to hurt you as a person. Like no, no one person can just be on go at any point in time. We all have to kind of recognize that we need to do things for ourselves. And in some ways that those stack, so the sacrifice in this sacrifice renewal cycle is essentially that, that service work, like, the constant work that you're putting in towards this goal, towards this idea, towards this cause, that would be your sacrifice. So the renewal is what you're doing to help recharge at the end of the day, week, month, whenever whenever you've kind of decided within the cycle that you need that, that renewal aspect is when you're going to assess your strength and energy levels and what you need to do for yourself to kind of help revamp them and continue the progress that you want to make. I think this is the hardest thing for literally every person attempting to enact the servant leadership framework and kind of who identifies himself as a servant leader. But I also think part of it is recognizing that that renewal looks different for everyone. There's not one um, one simple single way to kind of feel that energy renewal and feel like you're recharged and kind of ready to either restart the cycle or pick back up where you left off to kind of continue your health.
1: Emily, I think the way you talked about sacrifice renewal reminds me of what's happening in healthcare right now, right? Particularly with nurses and doctors dealing with the epidemic and, and, and how, you know, they are certainly in certain professional roles, right? But they're having to go above and beyond. And I think where servant leadership can be difficult is when it leads to conditions like compassion fatigue, right? Where you, you, you're so others focused or, focused on supporting the organization that you forget, forget about yourself. And, uh, and so I, th- I think that was, that's an important point to, to see how, like even now in the pandemic, we can see how some of these things sort of manifest. And a, a critique of this idea is that particularly in business and in management, when someone says, oh, you need to be a servant leader without proper support or a leader who also is a champion for you, you can be pushed to a limit beyond your control and get caught in the trap that that's service to the organization, not necessarily to the people.
0: I, I, Andy, I think the last portion that we wanna to cover today is your normal, you know, practice part, practical part. So from, from your estimation, from your learnings and Emily, feel free to chime in as well. What are some things that if anyone's listening today, a student or just a general member of the public that it's really been intrigued by this idea of servant leadership, hasn't heard of it before, what are some things that they can do to think about how they can serve others? And then Emily, to your point earlier, how can they reaffirm or remind themselves that um, to take time for themselves? What are some things that they can build in their lives to have a service-oriented mindset, but also make sure to keep them for general mental health?
1: I mean, this, this might seem a bit trite or, or simple, Garrett, but I think that based on what Emily was was talking about in the first step of the cycle about identifying opportunities, I think, to me, what what is really important as an action step is to to keep your eyes and ears open right and and what i mean by that is that our world has an amazing amount of need right there are um, opportunities to serve every day for fear of sounding too simple i I would suggest that keeping your eyes open and and your ears open to to listen to what is the need around me um, rather than starting from a place of what do I want to do? Or what do I want to change? To, to Emily's point about you know, more, more self-focused, it's, it's what, am I, what am I hearing? What am I listening to? And um, wh- where, where do I see, see that need? Um, and, and putting yourself in the places in your community where perhaps you don't normally go because that you're going to be able to listen more broadly then.
2: I think for me... The best advice that I can give is to write it down. Write down the things that um, that really help you recharge on a daily basis. I think going into the fall semester, my senior year, like one of the things I did was sit down with like an hour by hour daily schedule and tried to kind of like map out how I wanted to spend my time and made sure I mapped into that time where I kind of wanted to take the time to recharge. So I, and it sounds funny, but like, I think as a college student, like this is like one thing that I did, I like wrote in the time that I was gonna call home and like make sure I prioritize that in my week. It was like, well, I have an hour chunk between practice one day and probably another meeting that I had at nine o'clock. Like, this is a great time to call home because like, I know both my parents are home. Um, my brother might be home. And I know that I'm like, making sure to prioritize kind of the things that easily kind of get lost in the day to day life of a college student. Um, I also planned in my meals, writing it down how you ideally would like it to happen, but being okay with it not happening the way you wanted. And I think that's just, that's life, not everything happens the way you want. But I think having a plan, at least for me, was always something that was super helpful.
1: And Garrett, I would Sort to add two, two other things I just thought of that based on what Emily said there, I mean, one is to identify a, a mentor or a champion, someone who is going to be there to look after you, you know, when when you need it. I think that's really important. Have someone in, you know, in your backcourt there advocating for you and your personal needs, because you can't get swept away with the, the other orientation and, um, that's part, part of the reciprocal cycle, right? Is having, um, having people there to support you. Uh, I think the other thing that I would add is I, when I think about servant leadership, I see it as what I would call a power sharing leadership theory. And there's sort of a, a grouping, I would, I would say, where um, you know whether you're a leader or not, sometimes you have a leadership position and with that position comes power. And so if you're already in a position of power or a leader role, you can still be a servant, even if people are not expecting you to be. And the way to do that is to share share the power that you have. And that might be a simple invitation for someone else to lead the meeting that everyone else is asking you to lead. Uh, It might be uh, inviting someone into a process that typically you would do yourself. I think Sharing the power that you have as a leader is a, is a great way to serve. And actually, I, I would argue, can create a better result sometimes. You know, when you are just sort of out of your own ideas, um, it's important to
0: engage different people with different perspectives and, and give them the power to be able to have the, have the floor. Right. I think this was a really helpful and informative introduction and explanation of servant leadership. Hopefully all our listeners... Now that interesting and are motivated to go be servant leaders. Thank you for listening as always, and we'll see you next time.